This is a Saddleback Church podcast. I want to welcome everyone joining us online at all of our extensions and campuses around the world. The first time I came to Saddleback Church was 10 years ago this month. It was the first time that I met Pastor Rick and Kay Warren, and I performed a spoken word poem here. And it was one year before, 11 years ago, when I met Pastor Andy and Stacy Wood, two of my dearest friends, two of the best people I know at the church they were leading at. They had also invited me to do a spoken word at their church one year before. And I share all that with you to say that at that time of my life, I had just lost my dad to cancer. I was traveling around the country without a home for four and a half years, trying to talk about Jesus through spoken word poetry anywhere that would let me. And I had a very hard heart towards the church. I had been deeply wounded by the church. And it was leaders like your leaders and communities like your communities who invited me in and told me who I was and told me who God is and showed me what the beauty of the local church actually could be. And so I am standing here today to tell you something that I know today that I've never been more sure of, which is that God can heal and restore anyone's life. And he wants to use the local and global church in order to do that. People like me and you, So I would just like to, if you would join me in thanking and honoring all of our leaders and those who serve and volunteer at all of our locations around the world. Would you join me? Thank you for the faithful, unseen ways you encourage people. I honor you. Thank you. Today, I want to talk about the battles that you and I are fighting the battles that you're fighting that perhaps nobody else even knows that you're fighting, the battles that you're fighting that perhaps you've been fighting for a very long time and you're tired, or perhaps they are battles that you just started fighting, battles that you never imagined you would have to fight. I think I've always been a fighter I think it might be because of how I was raised. I was raised on the streets of San Francisco. My dad was a heroin addict who fought in a Chinese gang. He had bullet holes alongside his calves from the last time he ran from the police, from the last time he robbed someplace. And someone introduced him to Jesus and Jesus changed his whole life. And my dad ended up starting an outreach to those living without homes and battling with addiction. And he found full recovery himself at Celebrate Recovery. Come on, is the forever family in the house. And so I grew up on the streets of San Francisco where we had church with all of our friends on the streets two to three days a week. People brought their alcohol bottles. People brought their needles. That's where I learned church. I learned later in life when other people said they were also raised in church, we were not talking about the exact same thing. But that is where I learned that Jesus could save anyone's soul and redeem anyone's story and he would use anyone who would say yes but also because I was raised in that unique environment, I saw some things that I was too young to see. And I experienced some losses that I was never meant to experience. And maybe you can relate, maybe we don't have the same background or the same childhood, but my guess is that you too have had seasons of immense pain and heartbreak and confusion Maybe unfair things happen to you or someone that you love. And for some of us, we might say that our life experiences has made us fighters. 
We wanna fight for the people we love. We wanna fight against injustice. We wanna fight against the things that hurt people or hold people back. We wanna fight for the underdogs. We wanna fight for those that other people overlook. Some of us would say that yes, my life has made me a fighter. In fact, this side of myself came out in somewhat of a silly way when I was 19 years old. I drove into my hometown, San Francisco, to take my baby brother, Elijah, out to dinner. I was in college about eight hours away at the time. And the whole reason why I was even in town on this particular day was because a year before is when our dad, our hero, had gotten cancer and passed away. And I had promised my dad that I would look out for Elijah. Elijah had not yet given his life to Jesus, and I had promised my dad that I would spend the rest of my life fighting for Elijah. And on this particular day, it was Elijah's 13th birthday. So I was coming into town to take my baby brother and all his friends out to dinner so he felt known and seen and loved. We had about an hour until dinner, so we're walking around in my old hood trying to find something to do where I see a sign that says $5 haircuts. And I thought, this sounds like a perfect idea. And it was not. I should also mention that at the time, I also had bright red hair, um, clearly because I was going through a breakup. Ladies, can you attest? This is what we do when we go through a breakup. You either dye your hair or you get bangs. Yes, you're laughing because you know. I don't make the rules. So I walked in to get a $5 haircut and I walked out with a bright red mullet. I said, Elijah, this is an emergency. We have to go to the beauty supply store right now and get me some hair extensions fast. So we go to the beauty supply store, we're jogging to the front door, and then a man starts walking towards us, saying some mean words about my appearance, some nasty words, some words that perhaps my baby brother had not heard before. And I might have been like half saved at this point in my life too, okay? Now I'm going through a breakup, it's a bad hair day, this is not the ideal time for the fighter side of me to come out. And I turn around to this man and I look at him and I said, what'd you say about me? Get closer and say it to my face. And he did, <laughs> which was not my plan. So now this man's walking towards me, I'm walking towards him. His words are getting louder, they're getting meaner. I'm like forming a speech in my head. I'm so excited for all the mean words I know too that I'm gonna say and take down this man. And we get face to face and I'm ready to say all my mean words. And I say to him, you don't know one thing about me, I? And then I see my baby brother on my side, mortified. And in that moment, I remembered what I was actually in town for. In that moment, I remembered the battle I was actually there to fight. But now I'm kind of in a sticky situation because <laughs> I just told this man, I'm gonna tell you who I am, and now I just know that my dad would want me to make this some kind of teaching moment. You know, like, where are those WWJD bracelets when you need it? Like, oh no, how do I make this about God? And this was my best plan in the moment. I'm talking to the man, you don't know one thing about me. I. I see Elijah, pivot the plan, what would Jesus do? I, I'm a child of God. That's right, that's right, walk away, walk away. And um, let me tell you, he did walk away because I am pretty sure that was the scariest thing I could have said to this man. I imagine him jogging to the bus stop like, man, this hood is getting crazier. Little girls shouting about God, get me out of here but I had somewhere to be. I had to take my baby brother Elijah out to dinner and I needed some hair extensions fast. 
some of us are fighters. Some of you are hearing that story and you're thinking, Hosanna, you should have been bold. You should have told that man off and you would be some dangerous friends for me to have. I don't know if it's because I'm from the hood or from the 90s, but I've got some Jenny from the block in me. Only none of you saying, I got your back, girl. What parking lot? Let's go. I had the opportunity to turn my back on Elijah and choose instead to fight this man. Let me tell you, some of us are fighters, and that is a good thing because there are battles that we have been called to fight, but we don't wanna be people who are out there boldly fighting the wrong battles. The enemy of your soul hopes that you are too distracted fighting lesser battles that you don't have the time or the energy to be the sister, to be the brother, to be the father, the mother, the coach, the leader, the voice of encouragement, the light in your workplace, the person you've been called to be, the enemy of your soul hopes you are too distracted with lesser battles that you don't have the time to fight the battles God has actually called you to fight. But instead, you and I can choose today to say, I wanna reclaim my focus because I am a fighter, but I don't want the enemy to have any victory over my time or my energy. I only wanna fight the battles God has called me to fight. I wanna unpack for you a story that I grew up reading that I loved, but it wasn't until this past season in my life where I saw something in it that I used to miss. It's the story of David and Goliath. Do you know it? It's a good one, right? ESPN knows this story. Sometimes they'll say this. They'll say, oh, it's like a story of a David, an underdog team taking down a Goliath. It's a good story. We love it. But did you know that before David walked onto the battlefield he was called to, he had an opportunity to stop and fight a lesser battle? I want to unpack for you a story about a time when David's brother stopped him and how it could have distracted David from fighting the battle he was called to fight and how you and I too can at times be distracted from fighting the right battles, but we don't have to. Here's the scene. We're at war. We've been at war for a long time. It's a whole thing. We have the Israelites, God's people. They're the good guys. We want them to win. Then we have the Philistines. They're the bad guys. We want them to lose. David's not even a soldier. His brothers are, but he's at home with his dad. His dad says, go back to the battlefield to bring your brother some food. So he brings his brother some food, and when he gets there, he realizes that nobody is fighting. So he asks some reasonable questions. Why is nobody fighting? Aren't we God's people? Who's gonna take down Goliath? I'll take down Goliath. And before David walked onto the battlefield to take Goliath down, his brother Eliab stops him. And Eliab has some mean words for David. Some nasty words. Some words that perhaps David had not heard before. We're in 1 Samuel 17, 28. This is what Eliab says to David. Why have you come down here? Who is watching your tiny flock in the wilderness? I am your brother and I know you. You're arrogant and your heart is evil. You've come to watch the battle as if it were just entertainment. I propose 
that within Eliab's demeaning declaration to David, there are actually four lies. Four lies Eliab is saying to David that had the potential to stop him from fighting the battle he was called to. And I wonder if you have heard any of these four lies in your life as well. As we go through these four lies, I want you to think about if you've ever heard these in your life, but I just want you to know up top, I have believed all of these lies at some point in my life and they have been a ceiling over me, stopping me from living the full life I was created to live. So let's unpack each of these lies and see what God's truths might be fighting these lies. These are the lies that can stop you from fighting the right battles. This is lie number one, the lie that you are not enough. Eliab says to David, why have you come down here? He's saying you're not enough. What makes you think that you and your insignificant self can fight the battle that all of us significant people are fighting? Who told you you could come here? Who told you you were welcomed here? Who told you you could do what more important people can do? Have you ever heard the lie that you're not enough? I have believed this lie most of my life because I grew up believing that my family was not enough, my dad was not enough, our church to our friends on the streets was not enough, my background was not enough, my heritage was not enough, my family didn't have as much money as my friends' families did, they didn't have the same kind of past that my family had, and I remember growing up trying to change what I looked like and change what my family's story really was in order to be accepted. But then as I got older and started sharing about Jesus in beautiful churches like this, I also tried to change who I was to be more effective. In fact, early on in my spoken word ministry, there were leaders who told me they felt my background would stand in the way of me being accepted and effective in the places and spaces I felt called to. So they said, we think you shouldn't go by the last name Wong. We think that will stand in the way for you. And I believed them and I agreed with them. And so had you known my spoken word ministry when I came to Saddleback Church 10 years ago, you would not have known me as Hosanna Wong. Instead, I was going by a pen name, Hosanna Poetry. It was one of many ways that I had decided to try to water down my real story, water down who I really was, water down where I was really from, thinking that I had to shape shift myself to fit into what I presumed was the mold. Have you ever heard the lie that you have to water down a little bit of your story you can't fully be who you are. You can't really tell people about your family or what you've gone through or your real questions or your real ends of the world. Have you ever felt like you have to change who you are to be loved, to be known, to be accepted and effective in the places that God has put you? I want you to know what I wish I would have known 10 years ago. You have been told lies. The enemy of your soul doesn't want you to know who you really are because he doesn't want you to live the life you've been created to live. He knows that if you knew that you were loved by God, you would start living like you are. He knows that if you knew you were chosen by God for where you are, you would start living like you are. And the enemy cannot change who you are. He does not have that kind of power. So his best plan is to try to make you doubt who you are. He doesn't want you to know the truth. 
It is actually your background and your story and where you're from and what you've overcome. It's actually your life experiences and your exact details that God wants to use for his glory and for the good of others in this exact moment in time. You are more than you've been told. The second lie that Iliab says to David is you are not doing enough. He says to him, who is watching your tiny flock in the wilderness? He's teasing David. He's saying, how is that small thing that you do that nobody sees and nobody cares about while everyone else is doing important things that everyone sees and everyone's talking about? How's your tiny flock in the wilderness? He's teasing David. But David was just being faithful in the place that God had put him. Let me tell you, the enemy of your soul wants you to believe the lie that even though you're doing all you can for your family and your marriage and your kids and your community, he wants you to believe the lie that you're not doing enough so that you dismiss the value of the faithful ways you've already been showing up for your family, the faithful ways you've been showing up for those you love, the faithful ways you've been showing up for your community. The enemy wants you to believe the lie that you're not doing enough so that you kill yourself trying to prove yourself. And I want you to know, you don't need the applause of man to have the approval of God. When you are faithful in the places and spaces that God has put you, nobody else needs to see it. God sees it. Keep being faithful. The third lie that Eliab says to David is this. He says to him, I'm your brother and I know you. This is the third lie that someone else can define you. He's telling him, I'm your brother, so I know you. Have you ever had someone say to you, man, I know the real you, because I went to high school with you. (laughs) Yes, I pray every Sunday that no one from my high school shows up to my church. (laughs) Or have you ever had someone say, man, don't talk to me about all this God stuff or all this church stuff like you're different. I used to pick you up from off the floor. Don't pretend like your life has changed. I know how you used to live. You're a fraud. This is all fake. You know, some of us have people in our lives, these Iliabs, who try to take the power from us and tell us who we are. But some of us don't have Iliabs who took the power from us. Some of us have given it away. And we've given the power to other people to define us when we obsess over what other people think about us. Do they think I'm enough? Do they think I'm doing enough? Do they think I'm saying enough? What do I have to change about myself for me to be loved and accepted? And some of us are going to other people to tell us who we are who have no idea who they are. I want you to know, no one has the power to define you but the one who created you. And then this is the fourth lie, but this lie is a little bit different. This lie is a little bit tricky. Iliab goes on to say this to David. He says, I'm your brother and I know you. You're arrogant. Your heart is evil. You've come to watch the battle as if it were just entertainment. Here, Iliab is making a list of things that David has done wrong. And it would be very easy to say, well, this is a lie too. David has probably never done anything wrong. But that's not true. David 
does plenty wrong in his life. And in this particular story, he's a teenager. So it is very likely that his brother, who grew up with him, is telling the truth. He might have seen David have some arrogant moments, some prideful moments. He might have seen him do some bad things. The lie is not that David had ever done anything wrong. The lie was that because of something David once did before this moment, it disqualified him from being used by God in this moment. And this is the lie that your past disqualifies you. The enemy of your soul hopes that you believe the lie, that because of something you did in the past, it forever disqualifies you from being used by God in the future. And for what it's worth, it might be true. There might have been some better choices you could have made. That is half the truth. The full truth is that because of a choice that Jesus once made to come and die for our sins because he died and was raised again. When you give your life to Jesus and you surrender your sins to Jesus for real, he forgives you and he covers you. And then you're no longer defined by what you did. You're defined by what Jesus did for you. But some of us today are living in guilt that we don't have to live in anymore. And some of us are choosing to live in shame when we don't have to anymore. And for some of us, it's time to step out of a mentality of defeat and to surrender our sins and our guilt and our shame at the feet of Jesus and start to live as the forgiven and free children of God we really are. Have you ever heard the lie that you're not enough, that you're not doing enough, that someone else can define you or that your past disqualifies you? David also heard all of these lies and then this was David's response. I want you to know it was so much holier than Hosanna from the block shouting at a stranger in a parking lot. 1 Samuel 17, 29. Now what have I done, asked David, can't I even speak? He then turned away. We know how this story goes. ESPN knows how this story goes. David goes to the king, he says, put me in coach, and he goes to the battlefield he was actually called to, and he takes that threat to God's people down. Friends, it is a good thing that David did not stop to instead fight his brother. It's a good thing that David did not turn his back on Goliath and the battlefield he was actually called to fight on and instead say, I'm gonna spend my afternoon fighting you because you hurt my feelings and you hurt my ego and everyone heard what you said about me and now I'd like to spend the afternoon tearing you down so we both feel disqualified for the battle we've both been called to. Let me tell you, the enemy of our souls hopes that this happens in our lives too. This is how the enemy loves to do it sometimes. He loves to put brother against brother and sister against sister and Christ follower against Christ follower. So we are too busy fighting each other that we don't have the time or the energy to fight the battles God has actually called us to fight. But there are real giants in our world. There's giants in our own homes. There's people 
in our own lives, in our own families, who still don't know how much God loves them. There's giants of fear, of anxiety, of insecurity, of real heartbreak. Who is going to take the real giants down? It's not gonna be those of us who are distracted fighting lesser battles. But instead, you and I can choose today to say, I'm gonna reclaim my focus. I want to be a fighter, but I only wanna fight the battles God has called me to fight. I don't wanna miss the battle he's called me to. And if you're here today and you're saying, I'm in. Yes, I only wanna fight the battles God has called me to fight, but how do I know which ones those are? That is a good question. The right question. Here's how you will know. You will know what battles to fight when you first and foremost fight to spend real time with God. Make the fight of finding to spend time with God the most important fight of your life. I am aware that this sounds simple, but in today's world, the world that you and I are living in, this is not simple. Everything in our world is trying to distract us from fighting the most important fight of our lives. The enemy of your soul wants you to be too distracted so you're not fighting for time in God's word. Because if you fought to spend time in God's word, you would start to see what the creator of the universe says about you. And then you would start to discover who you really are. And when you know who you are, it changes how you live and it changes the battles that you fight. The enemy of your soul hopes that you are too distracted, that you are not fighting to spend time in prayer because he knows when you fight for time in silence and solitude, to have a conversation with your creator, to pray bold prayers, to pray specific prayers for God to come in and heal you, he knows that God gives you a fresh breath and a fresh peace, and he starts to direct your thoughts and direct your steps. The enemy of your soul doesn't want for you to fight, to spend time, to rest. Because if you started fighting for time to rest, you would start knowing that actually you are loved before you do or produce one thing. You would stop being defined by what you do. You would stop being defined by what other people think about you. The enemy of your soul doesn't want you to fight, to spend time in real community. Fighting to come back into a community of Christ followers, coming back to church, opening up your home, stretching yourself socially to engage in real community because the enemy of our souls knows that we were created for community. So when we engage in real community, we start becoming more of who we really are and then we all start living the lives we've been created to live. But if you and I do not fight to spend real time with God, eventually, we will grow disconnected from God. We will grow disconnected from ourselves and then when hard times come or people say hurtful things to us or hard decisions have to be made, we won't know what to do, we won't know who we are and then we'll grow exhausted, discouraged and drained. But we don't have to. You will know who you really are when you spend real time with the one who knows you the best. And the fight 
for your life might look like fighting for your schedule. Looking at your calendar and fighting to spend real time with God in your real everyday life today. Because I believe that one reason why so many people outside the church are far from God is because so many people inside the church are far from God. And we need to have a real one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus. We need to surrender our sins and our pride and our ego and fight to spend time with the one who knows us best so we can know him for real and then we can show a watching world what he is actually like. I wanna share with you a time when I almost lost this fight. I'd love to share a spoken word poem with you. Is that okay? Is that cool? I thought that'd be fun. 10 years later, let's do it. I'm gonna bring out the band. They're gonna do this spoken word poem with me. And I wanna share this poem with you for a few reasons. One is um, it came out of one of the hardest seasons of my life. One of the hardest seasons of my marriage, I lost who I was. We had so much loss, physically, relationally, financially. I made some wrong calls. I was filled with shame. And I started fighting all of these battles to try to prove myself, to try to work harder to have more value. And I became disconnected from God and who I really was. And my husband did not recognize me. And the fight for my life came by fighting for my schedule. No one else saw it, but I had a fight to spend time in prayer to actually get specific with God about what I was really going through and what I needed him to heal me from. I had a fight for time to rest, to stop being defined by what I did and realize that I am actually valuable and loved by God without doing one thing. I had a fight for time in real community, even though being social is so hard. I had a fight to get honest with people, to let people into my life. And I had a fight for time in God's word to see what he actually said about me. And then I started memorizing names that God calls me, trying to make God's voice the loudest voice in my life. When you fight to spend time in God's word, you will realize what your creator says about you. And God has some other names for you. This spoken word piece came out of that season. I also am blessed to share it with you today because I just recently re-recorded and re-released it under Hosanna Wong. And um, thank you, thanks, thank you. But also, side note, it was musicians from this house, from Saddleback Church and Saddleback Worship that recorded it with me. So this is an in-house family project, just so you know. And I want you to know what I needed to know 10 years ago. You deserve to stop seeing yourself through the broken lens of other people. When you start seeing yourself through the lens of God, you will see who you really are and who you've always been. Thank you so much for letting me share this with you. This is called 
I have a new name. God spends a lot of time in the Bible telling us who we are. It's almost as if he knew that we would doubt who that was from time to time. It's as if he saw it coming, that we'd spend our whole lives searching for what our identity, what our real name was, and that there'd be many moments in our lives where we'd let different kinds of names define us. When we've looked in the mirror, compared ourselves to pictures, and heard the name ugly, when we've been left by loved ones, people we trusted once and heard the name unworthy. When we've been drowning in discouragement, living in a seemingly never-ending crisis and heard the name forgotten. When we've had our hopes up and our hearts open only to be brought down by closed doors and we've heard rejected. When we've looked for infinite affirming love through lesser physical fleshly versions. When we gave it away or when it was stolen and we heard impure, we heard garbage. When we go to other vices to ease our pain and we hear addict, we hear forever broken. When we feel like we're living in the shadow of someone else's calling and we hear second place. When our pain cripples us to a point where we don't even know how to let others in and we hear lonely when our past seems too gross for others to forgive and we hear disgusting it's overwhelming these voices we're constantly hearing it's suffocating this air of constant critique and comparing and it's sort of amazing the people whose voices i've allowed to name me the power I've given to my past, to my mirror, and to my surroundings, and enabled them to identify me. The amount of years I've spent living up to whatever others say about me. But God says something else about me. It's like he knew there would be other voices so he wrote his voice down in a timeless book of truths that would remind us over and over again in the moments when lies would block his truths and somehow make us forget so I'm going back to the source not the people I've allowed to represent God to me but the actual literal tangible words that he has written down for me and there's some other names he's given to me John 15, 15, he calls me friend. 1 Thessalonians 1, 4, he calls me chosen. Ephesians 2, 10, he calls me his masterpiece. He calls me his art. He calls me handmade. He calls me purposed and fashioned for good things. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, he calls my body a temple. He calls it the residence of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, he calls me his messenger to the world. Galatians 3.26, he calls me his child. Romans 5.8, he calls me greatly loved. John 8.36, he calls me free. Free indeed. 2 Corinthians 5.17, he calls me brand new. And it's amazing how different these names are from the names I'm used to listening to. And in my journey to discover who I really am, in my battle to uncover the truths of myself, I've learned something new about my name. And now this is what I am certain of. My name 
is not the name the world calls me. My name is not the name my past calls me. My name is not even the name my own mirror calls me. But my name, my name is the name I choose to answer to. And I can choose today from this moment forward to answer to a new name. When I hear lonely, that's not me. When I hear disgusting, that's not me. When I hear unworthy, I don't even look over my shoulder. When I hear broken, they must have confused me. Please look elsewhere. When I hear ugly, abandoned, useless, forgotten, I figure someone just has to remind them. Maybe those were my old names, but they're no longer the names that I will respond to. My name is the name I have chosen to spend my days living up to. And if these other voices are not saying the same thing that the truth is, I look in my mirror and I repeat this. They have no right to be speaking to you. When you stop answering to your old names, they stop having power over you. The names that my father, eternity's author, the world's creator has called me are the only names that I answer to. So when I hear friends of God, that's my name. Chosen, that's my name. Love, wanted, created with a purpose, that's my name. God's masterpiece, that's my name. God's messenger, that's my name. You must be looking for me. Greatly loved, you must be calling for me. Brand new, that is my name. So that is a name that I will respond to because the enemy has no power here. Perfect love casts out all fear and perfect love has named me and you. So what is your new name? What is stirring up inside of you when you hear these words that his word, that the word has proclaimed? What do you know is the name God is calling you? Maybe it's not the name you grew up with. Maybe it's not the name your old friends associate you with. Maybe it's not the name that your whole life you were used to identifying with, but it's the name you now answer to. So when the enemy tries to get to you, it's just the name you introduce yourself with. As for me, my name is forgiven. My name is free. My name is brand new, loved, wanted, child of God, created with a purpose. And it's been a pleasure to meet you. Thank you, Saddleback family. Thank you. Hey, can we give it up for the band really quick doing this with me today? Thank you, guys. Hey, you may be seated. Everyone joining us today online at all of our extensions and campuses, I came here today to tell you, you are more than you've been told. I don't know what lies you have been told, but today I wanna give you an opportunity to speak truth to those lies. We have the nine names from the Word of God on the screen. And you are all of these names. God calls you all of these names. But I think sometimes there's a specific name we need to answer to, a specific lie we need to speak truth to. So before we close out this service today, I am going to name all nine names again. And when I call out the name you want to answer to, in that moment, wherever you are, 
I'm gonna ask you in that moment to stand up to your feet, to answer to that name and stay standing as your brothers and sisters all over the world join you in answering to who we really are. And if you got to answer to a couple of new names, that's cool. You stay standing, you raise your hand for each and every one. I know there's two today that I'm answering to as well. I came here to tell you that when you know who you are, it will change how you live and it will change the battles that you fight. So today, let's stand and answer to who we really are. If you are here today and you wanna to answer to John 15, 15, he calls you friend. Would you just stand to your feet wherever you are, all of our locations, I see you friend. I see you friend, stay standing friend. I see you sir in the back, I see you family on the side. Keep standing friend. This is what it means when you're God's friend. You're not alone, you're not abandoned. Your friend is your homie, your ride or die through thick and thin. God is saying, you're my friend. I'm on your side, I'm in your corner, I'm on your team. God calls you his friend. Stay standing, friends. I'm gonna call up the Chosens. First Thessalonians 1, 4, who needs to stand and answer to Chosen? I see you Chosen. Everyone online, stand if you're answering to Chosen. When you are Chosen, that means that you are not here because someone else died or someone else was fired or someone made a mistake. You are here where you are, the way you are, because the creator of the universe thought it was important that you were here. Stay standing, Chosens. I'm gonna call up Masterpiece, Ephesians 2.10. Who here needs to stand and answer to Masterpiece? I see you, sir, online. Who needs to answer to Masterpiece? Stand to your feet, raise your hand. Every detail of your life was handmade by God. You are important. Your story is important. Your details are important. You are no knockoff brand. You are designer made. You are bougie. Masterpiece, I see you. Who here needs to answer to 1 Corinthians 6, 19? He calls your body a temple. Can I see the temple stand? Raise your hand. Stand to your feet wherever you are. As a fellow temple, I just want to say, I don't know what happened to you. I don't know what was said about you behind closed doors, but I know with all the power and authority that we have in the Word of God, I know that we can look in the mirror every morning and say, man, I already look good today because the Holy Spirit lives inside of me and they can't take away what God has put inside. Who here needs to stand and answer to messenger? Can I see people stand all over the room answering to messenger? Acts 1-8, raise your hand saying, I am his messenger. I'm gonna share my story like someone else's story depends on it. I am his messenger to the world, free indeed. Who here needs to stand and raise your hand to I am free indeed. I am a free person, free from my old mentalities, free from my old addictions, free from my old ways. I am free indeed. Who here needs to answer to brand new? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he calls you brand new. You're a new person with a new focus, with a new purpose. You are brand new. Who here needs to stand and answer to greatly loved? I am greatly loved by the creator of the universe. Even if your mom didn't love you the way she was supposed to love you, or your dad didn't love you the way he was supposed to love you, God says, I love you, I chose you. Even before you chose me, you are already greatly loved by the creator of the universe. And finally, the last name that encapsulates all the names. Of course, if we don't get this one, we don't realize how loved and safe we really are. Child of God. Galatians 3:26. who here needs to stand and raise your hand and say, I'm a child child of God. I want to reclaim my childhood. I want to reclaim my time with God. I want to have a fresh breath with God again. I want to pray for you at all of our locations all over the world. I want to pray for all of us standing to our new names that God would give us in our hearts, 
in our homes and in our churches all over the world a fresh breath so that we can know who we are and fight the battles we've actually been called to fight. Can I pray for you and with you? God, you see all of us standing to our new names. We don't want to be distracted by lies any longer. We say, God, we will fight the most important fight of our lives to spend real time with you, to have a fresh breath with you, a fresh relationship with you. God, we are fighters, but we only want to fight the battles you've called us to fight. Thank you for telling us who we really are. May we be people, families, and a church who shows the world who you really are too. In the name of Jesus and all God's people say, amen and amen. I want to say thanks so much for joining us here on YouTube. Uh, at Saddleback, our goal is to help you take your next steps toward Jesus. And I want to share with you two ways that you can do that. First of all, if you go to saddleback.com next, you can get connected to a nearby Southern California campus or one of our international locations. We would love to know if you made a decision to follow Jesus. We'd love to know if you have a prayer request. And we would love to come alongside of you to encourage you and, and really be there to help you in your journey. Now, secondly, if you live far away from one of our physical locations, you can join our online community and even start a Saddleback extension to bring Saddleback into your community or where you live. So I wanna encourage you to go to saddleback.com online to learn more about how you can be a part of our extension vision. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe to our channel to get more helpful content from our church. And then also we wanna invite you to share this message with a friend who may need some encouragement today. Thanks so much for being a part of our church family. We're so grateful for you joining us today here on our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening to this weekend message from Saddleback Church. If you like this, please consider leaving a rating or review for this podcast. The Saddleback Church Weekend Message Podcast is a part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. Visit saddleback.com slash podcasts or search for Saddleback Church in your favorite podcasting app to see more great podcasts from Saddleback. For more weekend message resources, visit saddleback.com slash message resources.